and take thee our life, good fame, child and wife, things all be gone. They, uh, Please be seated. To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God upon which we base our message on this Reformation Sunday is... From the second reading from Romans chapter 3rd, you heard it read before. I just want to read it out of the New International Version, several verses. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Jesus. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, who lived, died, and rose again so that we might live eternally, my beloved. Did you uh, ever have the opportunity, kind of a fun opportunity, to buy or lease a new car? And when you picked it up, it was so shiny. And you got inside and it has that new car smell. Last time I bought a car, I asked the salesman as we were going for the test drive, I said, uh, is this car going to uh, depreciate like all the other ones I had? He said, oh, yes, sir. Uh, it's going to depreciate, it will deteriorate, and it might even disintegrate. So I remember way back to uh, the very first car that I ever owned. It was a 1968 Chevelle. And it was beautiful, and I really loved it. Uh, but I had a head-on uh, collision, and it made it look like an accordion it had been so beautifully formed in that factory somewhere in Detroit, maybe, and now it was all deformed. But I think every once in a while, you know, somewhere in the world, that 68 Chevelle is around somewhere on some road because, you know, after they put them in the trash compactor, then they go into the recycling machine and they reform all those parts, and they go into a new car. Formed, deformed, and reformed. We apply the very same thing to God's church, and that's why we're celebrating reform, reformation. You know, when God's church was first formed, was way, way back when, when Adam and Eve fell into sin. And God could have sent them straight to hell, but he said, no, no, I'm going to send a Savior. 
And so the church was formed. Adam and Eve and all their descendants, they got around that word of the promise of a Savior. But it really wasn't too long, and God's church got deformed. And it was so badly deformed, it was hardly even recognizable, so God took matters into his own hands to reform the church by sending a universal flood and getting rid of all the unbelievers so that he could start over his church with eight people. So the church was reformed. Well, throughout the history of the world, the devil has always been attempting to deform the church. God took matters in his hands once again when he uh, went to Abraham. God only knows why. He chose that one person and said, from your race of people, a Savior is going to be born. He reformed the church. Go throughout the centuries, you find God's people up and down. Read the book of Chronicles and Kings and see all the evil, wicked kings. And God's word was put into disuse. Nobody even knew what it said anymore until every once in a while a king reformer would come forward like Hezekiah and they'd dig out God's word in the temple and start reading it again. And a reformation took place again. When Jesus was born into the world, the church was once again deformed. Hardly even recognized it. Just as Jesus was talking to some of the Pharisees and the, the, the people standing around him today, they said, ah, we don't have to worry about anything, Jesus. We're descendants of Abraham, so we're going to heaven. And Jesus had to reform the church by telling people, no, no, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, in fact, was the greatest reformer of all time. But after Jesus ascended into his heaven, now he had a reformed church once again. didn't take too long before it got deformed. People came along into the church and they said, yeah, yeah, it's really nice to believe in Jesus, but you know what? You also have to do all those Old Testament sacrifices and ceremonies. And the church said, no, you don't. Only Jesus. They said, yes, you do. Finally, the church says, you have to leave. You're deforming our church. And so they reformed it once again. Which brings us all the way to 500 years ago, 1517, Martin Luther. Where the church, the Christian church, was so deformed, it looked like a car in a trash compactor. You couldn't even recognize what God's word was. And so God allowed a reformation to take place. If you take a look at page 10 of your bulletin this morning, I'm going to talk about the three hallmarks and gifts of authentic Lutheranism. And I'm going to use the word today, authentic Lutheranism, because there's a whole lot of people in the world calling themselves Lutherans today who are not authentic Lutherans. An authentic Lutheran is a person who is a biblical Christian. You'll see in that diagram there in Luther's Rose, I want to talk about Scripture alone, word of the Word of God alone, Grace alone and faith alone. Those were the hallmarks, Luther's watchwords for the Reformation. The first one, the Bible alone, Scripture alone. Luther said, that's it. That's all you need for salvation. And whatever you do, don't mess with the message. 
because the Bible is the inerrant, absolute truth of God. Why is it so important that you don't mess with the message? I'll use this fictitious story. It doesn't make much sense. But imagine if uh, I had an appointment with somebody who I had never met, a pastor from California, whatever, and we we're supposed to meet at, uh, at uh, Mitchell Airport. And so I send him a text and say, uh, we've never met before, so I just want to let you know, I'll be the guy in the white robe with the red stole, gray hair, and about 5'9". And uh, what happens is uh, some friend of mine gets a hold of my cell phone and changes the message for a trick. And they say, uh, I'll, let, I'll meet you at Mitchell Airport, 4 o'clock, whatever. I'll be the guy in the gray flannel suit with blonde hair, and I'm about 6'2". You know what? He'll never find me. Luther rediscovered that the Bible, Holy Scripture, is the only absolute truth in the whole world. It's God's love letter to us. And if you go messing around with it, you might lose your way to the Heavenly Father. Back in Luther's day, the only Christian church that was in existence had changed all the meaning of Holy Scripture. They changed it into a book. Instead of God's love letter of salvation and mercy, they changed it into a book of rules and regulations. And they told all the people in the church, you better try really, really hard to obey all those rules and regulations. And if you try really, really hard, maybe someday God will smile on you. But that's not the truth. That's changing the message. Because God's word tells us you can't just try to be good. You ever think about that? If you want to get to heaven by what you do, God says, you've got to be perfect. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. No wiggle room. And you can't get holy by yourself. You only get holy and perfect through the merits of Jesus Christ. As St. Paul says, as I read in the NIV, this righteousness, this holiness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And so the church's teachings of Luther Day, Luther's day were leading people away from Jesus rather than to him. Now, the reason that we have to treasure the hallmarks of authentic Lutheranism, which by the grace of God we still have today, is because we are surrounded by all sorts of devil's efforts to change the message and to lead people away from Jesus. One false teaching, which is right out there amongst Christianity, is a theology called universalism. It's not that hard. Basically, what the churches teach is that uh, God would never be so angry as to send anybody to hell, so everybody's going to heaven. But that's not what the Bible says. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved than Jesus Christ. There is a real heaven and there is a real hell. And the only way to eternal life in heaven is through faith in Jesus Christ. And then there's the false teaching. Oh, it's out there in so many Christian churches. That's why I believe a lot of people don't go to church on Sunday. And it's the theology called moralizing. 
It says that the message of the church is to try to teach people to love each other a whole lot more and to take care of planet Earth. And if we do both of those things, then everybody's going to be a whole lot happier. Now, those are nice byproducts of Christianity, but that's not the main message of Holy Scripture. Holy Scripture says we look forward to a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. And that gift of eternal life is only through faith in Jesus Christ. And then there's what I like to call cafeteria Christianity. And it goes on through well, a whole lot of Christian churches, and that is you take a look at the Bible, and you sort of pick and choose what you think is truth and what is not truth. And then you hold to the things that you think is true, and you throw out all the things that aren't. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible is all truth. Jesus said, sanctify them by the truth. My word is truth. And then there's the false teaching still held by a lot of churches today, which is called ongoing revelation. And that means that leaders in the church can add to or subtract things from the Bible because it's sort of like a changing document. And if I come up with some new ideas, well, then the people are supposed to believe that too. The book of Revelation says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share of the tree of life in the holy city, which are described in this book. Scripture alone, not man's additions and subtractions, changes or alterations or deletions. Scripture alone. God's word is the absolute truth. To tamper with it can lead people away from Jesus, not to him. The second hallmark of the uh, Lutheran Reformation you see on page 10 there is Luther said, by grace alone. The word grace means God's undeserved love. We did not deserve his love. Even though we did not deserve his love, he rescued us from the punishment of sin. And why did we have to be rescued? Because all we like sheep have gone astray, everyone to his own way. And even the person who happens to be just the nicest, nicest, wonderful person, every time you meet them, they're just so wonderful. Even that person is inflicted and afflicted with original sin, which they got from their parents. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And that's enough to damn you, even if you're the nicest person in the whole wide world. All of us were born with original sin. You know what it was sort of like? Us being born into a concentration camp. And you can't get out on your own. You need to be rescued. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. To do what? To be punished in our stead, to be punished in our place. So that God the Father would have all of his anger removed and to declare us not guilty. That's justification. That's one of the central words of the Reformation, too. And by the way, I was thinking about it the other day. Justification. You know, even a lot of unbelievers out in the world, they know what justification is. They do it every day. To justify means to 
declare somebody not guilty. Oh, I really know I should not be going to that place, but all my friends go there. Oh, I know I should really not going to be going to that place on the Internet, but you know everybody does it. They're declaring yourself not guilty, getting yourself off the hook doesn't work. The only justification that saves is the declaration of not guilty through the blood of Jesus Christ. The illustration of justification is a legal term. It's like God the Father sitting uh, in a courtroom, and he's the judge. And all of us are there on trial. And God the Father says, you bunch of sinners, I'm sending you all to hell. And Jesus Christ is the advocate, the attorney. He says, "Uh, Heavenly Father, point of order, you can't do that. You see, you already punished me in their place. And God the Father says, oh, yes, that's right. Not guilty. You can go free. You know who uh, God declared not guilty? The whole world. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself and not counting their sins against them. Dr. Martin Luther once said, he said, I am so glad that uh, that Holy Scripture says that God forgave the sins of a whole world because if he ever said in the Bible that I forgive the sins of Martin Luther, I wouldn't know if he was talking about me or somebody who had the same name. So I'm so glad he said he forgave the sins of the whole world. Which brings us to the third hallmark of authentic Lutheranism and biblical Christianity. Just because God forgave the sins of the whole world doesn't mean that everybody's going to heaven. The forgiveness of sins becomes yours personally only through faith in Jesus Christ. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It, faith, is a gift of God, not of works, so that nobody can boast. He who believes on the Son has eternal life. And here's the real kicker, too. Don't try to believe all by yourself because it's not possible. No one can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Spirit. He's the one who gives you the ability to believe. Just think of that. God even gets the credit for your believing in him, and yet he loves you for doing just that. How does God work faith in your hearts? Only one way I know. Through the means of grace, his word. And now we're back to the very first hallmark of the, of the Lutheran Reformation. God saves us by his holy word and the forgiveness that he gives us in the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. And that's the way that he keeps you as his child. So all you have to do is stay close to his word, and he'll stay close to you. 500 years ago, some great gifts were rediscovered. And so there was a reformation, a reformation of the Christian church. What were the gifts? Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone. Which raises the question, who are the reformers of 2017? You are. We are living in a world surrounded by falsehoods that want to lead us away from Jesus. And Jesus says, come to me, know my word, so that you'll be able to defend the truth and share it with others. 
Scripture alone, no additions or subtractions. Grace alone, undeserved love. God punished his son in our place. We didn't deserve it. And faith alone, believe, belief and trust in Jesus as the only way to eternal life. But here we are in this sinful world, surrounded by falsehood. We have to be strong in God's word. No apologies for authentic Lutheranism, biblical Christianity. And if anybody tries to bring falsehoods on us, I guess we're just going to have to say, well, here we stand. God help us. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time together, our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.